everybody, and welcome to the Rubin Report Direct Message. I am Dave Rubin. Today is April 15th, 2021, and we are doing a live Ask Me Anything Q&A from the rubinreport.locals.com community. Uh, as always, subscribe, click that notification button. And I just wanna get one thing out right at the top of the show. I am seriously in a mood today. Like, what was I doing five minutes ago? I was literally Googling punching bags, and I asked people on Twitter, where I can get a good punching bag because there is so much endless bullshit being fed to us at such an extraordinary and increasingly fast level that we got a real problem on our hands between the Democrats today trying to pack the courts and DC is gonna be the 51st state and now Pfizer says you'll need a third shot and just like the endless nonsense that is being pushed on us. And I just watched a minute ago, we'll, we'll hold it till next week, I guess. But uh, Fauci, that Faucist was uh, you know, doing a congressional panel, because that's all these people do. They don't do actual work. They just do congressional panels and, and media appearances. And Jim Jordan was just grilling him on when will the numbers be low enough so we can go back to normal? When will the numbers? And Fauci will just not give a number. And then that really awful human being, Gavin Newsom, uh, my governor here in uh, California said today that everyone over 16 can now get the vaccination. And yet still, and I tweeted this at him, still today, which is April 15th, he still will not open the state till June 15th. So even though he's going on and on about how we can all be vaccinated, the weather's obviously great, it's the spring here in California. Well, still, we're not gonna open up for an arbitrary two months. You think that has something to do with the recall? We'll get to that in a minute. Anyway, so I am just, in a mood today, like I wanna punch someone and I just apologize in advance. And Michael, we told you the other day, he was a little drunk on his birthday, fell out of a car, he's in a boot. No, no, not drunk, not drunk, just kidding. But he, he was in a, he, the point is he's in a boot. He was completely sober and uh, he's in a boot. Oh, oh, all right, that's tough, that's tough. Uh, anyway, guys, uh, I wanna do one story before we get to the, uh, to the Q&A uh, because this Supreme Court packing thing is just absolutely insane. Now remember, during the election, remember that Donald Trump versus Joe Biden election? Uh, Joe Biden was asked many times, does he plan to pack the court? And by packing the court, that means expanding the amount of justices on the court, not getting a makeup of a court like you want, meaning you know a judge steps down or a judge dies or something like that, and then putting on a court, putting on a justice by going through the proper measures, okay? And we can, we can argue about all the, political parts of how that happens, how, how it's become completely partisan, all that. But packing the court, meaning expanding the amount of judges so that in essence, you can always get results that you want. Well, Joe Biden never would answer the question, but it was very obvious that he was gonna do this. And it's also very obvious that Joe Biden ain't in charge of anything. So I've got two quotes here, uh, and then we're gonna show you some video of the penguin from Batman. Uh, this is first uh, from The Intercept. The bill would add four seats to the high court bringing the total to 13 from the current nine. The bill is led by House Judiciary Committee Chair Jerry Nadler, the Penguin, Subcommittee Chair Hank Johnson, and Freshman Representative Mondaire Jones. In the Senate, the bill is being championed by Ed Markey, 
of Massachusetts. So that's The Intercept, which is pretty lefty. And here's The Daily Wire, which obviously is a little more on the right. The legislation comes after Democrat President Joe Biden announced last week that he had created a commission to study court packing, a political move that is so controversial that the majority of Americans oppose it because, according to The New York Times, he was under pressure from activists. Before last year's election, Biden said that voters did not deserve to know his stance on packing the courts. Okay, so we're gonna show you some video of Jerry Nadler in just a second, but just really, really clear to what's going on here. We knew they were gonna do this. The media just did not push him enough. Joe Biden is not in charge. It's very obvious that this is the radical lefties that are in charge of the administration. And just, listen guys, let's just say it as it is. This is a massive, brazen assault by in essence, two branches of government on another branch. We have separation of powers, we have three branches of government, right? We have the executive branch, they sign things into law, that's the president. We have the legislative branch, they're the ones that are supposed to write laws. They don't really do it, they're not very good at it. And then we have the judicial branch, they make sure that everything is legal. These things are separate and they have checks and balances so no one branch or one person gets too powerful. Well now, in essence, you have the executive branch, the president working with the legislative branch, Congress, to over override the ability for the judicial branch to be impartial. And, and also, one other thing before this Nadler clip, do you think that if they had the makeup of the court that they liked, do you think if the court leaned more liberal, blue, whatever you wanna call it, left, do you think they'd be doing this? Of course not. So this is an absolute assault on every American norm. Like, this is it. If that branch of government is taken out, which is what they're trying to do, experiment over, people, experiment over. Uh, but let's listen to the Penguin, uh, Jerry Nadler. The overwhelming majority of cases don't get considered by the Supreme Court, which they are entitled to do, and throughout much of our history did. Our predecessors made eminent sense when they, rigged, when they pegged the size of the Supreme Court to the number of judicial circuits. As our country has grown, so too to the Supreme Court. 13 justices for 13 circuits is a logical progression. And that is another reason why I'm glad to join my colleagues in introducing the Judiciary Act of 2021 to establish the Supreme Court size as 13. Uh, that's a nice number, it matches, it's not a nice number. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it, it's a proper number, it matches the number of circuits as it has historically. And it also will enable us to do justice and to rectify the great injustice that was done in packing the court. And t some people will say we're packing the court. We're not packing it, we're unpacking it. Senator McConnell and the Republicans packed the court over the last couple of years as Senator uh, uh, Markey outlined. So this is a, a, a reaction to that. It's a necessary step in the evolution of the court and I'm glad to, I'm proud to co-sponsor. All right, everything that that lifelong swamp creature troll just said is a lie. So first off, the Republicans did not pack the court, meaning expand the court. Did they get justices through? Did Trump get three Supreme Court justices through, through Congress? Yes, he did, that is true. But they did not pack the court, meaning expand the court. They are now trying to change the fundamental shape of what the court is. And what was his logic? Well, 13 is a nice number. That was in essence his logic. We have 13 circuits, so we should have 13 judges. Again, do you think they would be doing this if they weren't in charge? But guys, if you don't get it yet, 
The progressives are here to destroy everything from packing courts to get rid of, getting rid of the electoral college to making DC a state to bringing in more illegals like you name it to passing a green new deal and cow farts are gonna power the country or whatever it is that she wants. Like they're here to destroy everything. And will anyone stand up? Will anyone stand up? Where are my good, wise, liberal friends? Where are you guys? So many of you who told me, no, no, if Trump is just out of the way, we'll be able to fight them more. But Trump is such an aesthetic injury, as my friend Gad Saad would say. He's so bad, he's so uniquely awful and orange that if once he's out of the way, we'll be able to fight more. Well, you guys have all folded pretty fucking quickly, right? Where are you? You're all gone, you're all gone. There's, there's basically nobody fighting. There's, a, there's some conservatives and libertarians fighting, uh, but we, we are freaking under assault, people. And uh, I'm gonna keep fighting. I have nothing better to do. I, I looked at my calendar, I have a lot going on, but I had nothing better to do than save the country. So I'm gonna keep going. Guys, real quick, before we get into the uh, Q&A, I wanna talk to you about Start Mail. You know, free email services like Gmail and Yahoo aren't really free. I talk about this all the time. You pay with your privacy. And since those companies have access to every email you send and receive, big tech can sell your data to the highest bidder. From business plans to medical records, companies can sell your personal data to target you with intrusive ads and open you up to identity theft and phishing attacks. That's why Startmail wants to secure your email and make you feel safe again. Startmail keeps your email private, period. Every email is encrypted, even if the recipient doesn't use encryption, which means big tech can't read, scan, analyze, or sell your personal information ever. Startmail also prevents government agencies from spying on you, like in dragnet operations. With Startmail, deleted means deleted. When you delete an email, it's gone forever, and Startmail uses their own servers, not Amazon's which means they can't be put out of business like Parler. Startmail is also backed by the most stringent privacy laws in the world. You get unlimited anonymous aliases. The feature, this feature protects your main email address from spam and phishing attacks. So when you're giving your email to a company but wanna protect your identity, Startmail can generate a shareable alias email so people can't sell your information and then they can be deleted at any time. Here at the Rubin Report, we've been looking for alternatives to Google, so we're excited by what Startmail has to offer. I don't tr trust big tech and either should you. Start securing your email privacy with Startmail. Sign up today and you'll get 50% off your first year. Go to startmail.com slash Rubin, that's startmail.com. Start with a T, mail.com slash Rubin for 50% off your first year, startmail.com slash Rubin. And now back to me. Oh guys, one little quick technical thing. Uh, we, no we noticed in the YouTube comments that a bunch of you saw that our video and audio was a little out of sync yesterday. Not if you watched live, but if you watched after. Apparently on YouTube, there was a little bug, some weird little thing happened, shouldn't happen again. We think we have it under control. I can't imagine that YouTube would be messing with us. No conspiracies here. There are no conspiracies. I wanna be very clear about that. Okay, uh, here we go, Q&A, and all of these, of course, were submitted at rubenreport.locals. Dot com this morning, and uh, I hope to, to see more of you there. We got a great little community chugging along. Uh, Lori says, you had presented a chart in one of your daily updates in the last week or so that showed that 73% of Democrats trusted the corporate media. How in the world are we ever gonna bridge the gap and work with people if we can't even get to a place where we get the same info? This is the question of our time. Like we could be frustrated about packing the courts. We could be frustrated about taking out the electoral college. We could be frustrated that we have a media that cheers on people burning down cities, all of those things. 
But what sits above all of that, right? Like what's here, if all that stuff is here, is that the information layer, and if truth is here, let's say truth is the highest thing, well then there's the filters, right? And then there's what happens on the ground. And unfortunately, if 73% of Democrats, so let's say that's roughly half of America, so it's something like 175 million people, something like that. If 73%, you know, three quarters of them, believe the nonsense, that mainstream media is peddling all the time, that is a whole lot of people, right? 73% of 175 million people, right? That's over 100 million people. What do you do with that? I don't know what you do with that. I, this is what I'm trying to figure out. How can we bridge that divide? Because otherwise, the more we go into our silos, we're gonna be living in different worlds than people. And I always use the example. It's like my neighbors, I don't know what their political beliefs are. I don't care what their political beliefs are as long as we're neighborly with each other, right? Like that's all you want. That's the exchange in a free society. They get to believe what they want. I get to believe what I want. But the problem is if they really start believing some crazy blue and on nonsense, like for all I know, they believe that Brett Kavanaugh was a racist. They believe that the Jesse Smollett thing wasn't a hoax. Uh, they believe all the endless, you know, they believe in the Russia hoax and the Ukraine hoax. Um, you know, today it's coming out now that, uh, remember a couple months ago that there was this report that Russian, Trump knew that Russian, what was it, that Russian operatives basically were paying people to kill American soldiers. That turns out to be nonsense. The Washington Post article from months ago about Trump pressuring the Secretary of State for, from Georgia to find both, like it all becomes nonsense. And what do you do if, you know, it, you, the people that you meet in life just believe a completely other set of things? And by the way, that's not for me to sit here and say that every piece of information that I'm getting through the sources that I basically trust is absolutely true. I do the best that I can and it is it is my job to try to you know sort of siphon through that nonsense so that I can give you guys something that seems somewhat fair and in the realm of reality, but is it possible that some of that is skewed too? Of course it is, right? Like and if you're listening to anyone on YouTube or anywhere else that doesn't tell you that, then they they're just a complete liar. So I'll keep doing it, but I don't I don't know like because in essence, what you're saying is, how do you give people the red pill? How do you get them to wake up? And that 73% is an awful lot of people. You know, the best you can do is try to keep talking to people about these things. And I get it, it ain't easy, because most likely they're gonna call you a racist and a Nazi and tell you that you listen to that scary Ben Shapiro and that evil Steven Crowder and that very handsome Dave Rubin, but he's still a bad dude. And what do you do with all that? We, we just have to fight it in our own little ways, in our own little lives, like with your family, with, with your friends. And that, and of course, what the sucky part of that is you don't want it all to be political. But in those little moments when you're in that conversation, if you can try to get them to understand a little something else, that the police are not just slaughtering black people and more white people were shot by police than black people. And just like a series of other things, get them to read a Thomas Sowell book. If you can't do that, get them to watch a PragerU video. I recommend Why I Left the Left from a couple of years ago, or So You Think You're Tolerant, that was pretty good. Or The Bravery Deficit, those are the three I did. I think they're all in the top 20, if I'm not mistaken. Anywho, Kyle says, are the divisions that we see and experiencing stemming from a lack of difficult challenge for everyone to rally behind, like World War II, space race, et cetera? I think this is a really interesting question. You know, I always think about this sort of like, like capitalism versus communism. You know, I'm a child of the 80s. I was born in 76, so my formative years were the 80s. And it was like in the 80s, 1985, Rocky versus Drago. They fought uh, in Moscow on Christmas Day. Ronald Reagan, like America was something. The flag was something to be proud of. Capitalism, success, building things. 
making money so that you could live the life you wanted. Those were all things. Now, a certain set of people would call them greed and blah, blah, blah. But like, we sort of knew it was like, oh, we're capitalists. We're, we love freedom and choice and individual rights versus communism, which is government control of everything. And in some ways, we could define ourselves by what we were against. Boy, that level of control that the communists have, we don't want that, and this is what we are, whether that has flaws or not, separate issue, right? Um, then, of course, there's World War II. We, know, we knew as Americans we were fighting Nazism. Right, and now unfortunately, all of the people that, that wish to live freely are called Nazis, usually by people, self-proclaimed democratic socialists who have far more to do with the Nazis who also were socialists of Germany. Uh, the space race is another great example of this, right? Like late, late 60s into the early 70s. By the way, if I'm not mistaken, we have not set a man on the moon since 1973. That kind of makes you wonder. So your question is, do we need these national things to give us an ethos of pride, to give us something to rally behind, to give us something to connect over? I think yes, because the fear is that if we don't have that for the reasons that I just talked about in the previous question. First off, our information war will just keep separating us. But then the, if we don't have something to rally around that is something good, the only thing we will rally around is something bad. So, you know, I was in New York City during 9-11, I, I write about it in my book, but my dad worked in Midtown, he could see the, the second plane, or he saw the second plane hit. I had, my grandma lived in New York City, I had plenty of family and friends there. I remember what New York City after 9-11 was like, and I remember what the country was like after that. And we really did come together in many ways, but we don't wanna just come together over bad things. We wanna come together over good things. And I fear even, like if you really wanna think about it, it's like if some other horrific terrorist attack or, or just unimaginable tragedy happened, would it bring us together at this point? Would it? I mean, it was a very different world in 2001. And social media was really not part of the equation back then. I remember I had a little Nokia bar phone where I could play Snake on it. Like we didn't have all of this stuff. So like what would bring us together if maybe, maybe even a tragedy wouldn't do that? So we need something, whether that's a mission to Mars, whether, whatever that might be. I mean, I, I tend to think that these things are usually things that are, that are uh, you know, science-based or sort of future-based. Um, but it's like, look, COVID happened, COVID not good. Did it bring us together? Do you think we're more united as a country like we were fighting this pandemic together or has it exacerbated the differences? I would say it probably has exacerbated them. This is a tough one, it's a tough one. Uh, Cheryl says, do you believe that the average conservative can truly make a difference simply by canceling services and refusing to buy woke, uh, buy products from woke companies? I fear people covet convenience over sending a message. Well, first off, we all covet convenience over sending a message, right? Like there's many reasons at this point. I don't have a real problem with Amazon because they make, you know, you can get cheap products pretty quickly. They offer a marketplace for people to get involved, but like, do they have too much power over our lives? And have they done some pretty shady things related to some of their vendors? And is there a danger in, you know, one company having so much of our consuming power? Of course, but do I still have Amazon? I do, I try not to do everything on Amazon. We really make a point of doing that and like trying to go to stores, which is even more annoying here in LA at the moment because everything's, you know, still closed or half closed or half locked down or whatever it is. Um, I think it's, it's just something you can do. It's something you can do so you can feel good about your life. So whether that's canceling Disney Plus because of what they did to Gina Carano or not buying Coca-Cola, which you shouldn't be drinking that sugary garbage anyway because you're not happy what they're saying about the, the Georgia voting law or whatever it is, like that is at least part of it. Like maybe that doesn't get us to critical mass on the numbers 
financially to like have these companies turn around. But I think there are an awful lot of people that have had it with all of this stuff. And if we at least started doing that, you know, if nothing else, if you couldn't get these companies to turn around because you don't use Amazon for everything or you don't use, you know, you don't just endlessly drink Coca-Cola or whatever, whatever company is, is peddling some message that you don't care to be part of. If you just don't take part in it, I think even if you can't change what that company can do, you can do something to yourself. You can say, you know, I did the little thing that I could do in my life to have a clean conscience over all of this. And I think that is valuable. I, I know when, I mean, it sounds sort of crazy, but like if I go to, a, especially now, if I go to a mom and pop store or a smaller store to do something or we order online like directly from the vendor and not through Amazon, whatever, whatever it might be, I actually feel a little bit better. It's like, I'm trying, I'm trying. There's a big monster out there. I don't know that I can beat that big monster, but I can have a little dignity and self-respect in, in the process. Pool Party says, in a parallel economy where conservatives have different businesses like credit cards, a simple credit check could cut out someone as a conservative and incur the wrath of the left leading to ruined lives. How do we defend against a situation like that? There's been a real theme to these first three questions here. Um, yeah, it's a big problem and maybe we just do need complete parallel economies. Maybe we do like, and maybe it's happening already. I mean, you know, for as crazy as it feels right now, the red blue situation and, and how, you know, obviously someone like me should probably be in Florida or Texas at this point, And maybe some of their blue leaning people should be in a place like California. It's like, it feels like this is all wrong, but in many ways, this is the system working. This is federalism as I, as I always talk about, right? Like DeSantis is doing a heck of a job in Florida and is reaping the rewards of that because everybody from San Francisco is fleeing there. I mean, I, I think I mentioned to you guys, I went to this investors meeting in December for locals um, and we'll have some updates on that next week for sure. It's just a lot of stuff going on at once. Um, but the amount of people, like these were major money people, industry people, tech people that are fleeing. They're literally, they're fleeing blue cities, San Francisco, they're fleeing blue states, California, and they're moving to Florida. They're moving specifically to the Miami area. But maybe we do need our own banks, our own payment processors, our own tech companies, locals.com, our, our own food distribution centers, our own educational institutes. You know, I just read this morning that New York State is officially putting like diversity and inclusion into the curriculum. That's going in, that's going in. I actually texted my brother. I said, I don't know how long you can keep the kids in public school. Like everyone's gonna have to make some decisions for themselves, but how do we defend against it? If the IRS gets involved, well, let's not forget Lois Lerner under the Obama administration, they use the IRS as a political tool to go after Tea Party groups. We all know that, mainstream media didn't really cover it, but we all know that they did just that. And this is why you don't want a government so big that it can basically take anyone out. Todd says, watching society degrade to a victim culture is difficult. What keeps you motivated to continue building when there is a future that is uncertain or when future is uncertain? Um, what, what choice do I have? What choice do I have? Like it, it, I guess there is a certain theme to what's going on here now, the four questions today. Like what, what choice do you got? Like either if you think something's wrong, either you do something about it or you don't. Uh, for some reason, I'm doing something about it. And I don't see how I could even turn around. I, ha I had a call this morning, actually, uh, with someone that's been on the show a couple of times, somebody who I, who I highly respect, who's really feeling burnt by this whole thing. And sort of like, how much longer can I continue to fight what, for what I think is right? Like, as we watch it all kind of collapse. And it's like, what I said was, well, you don't really have a choice. Like, I think the choice has already been made. You know, like the choice, once you say this is, who I am, this is what I believe, this is what I'm gonna fight for. Well then the path 
the path is sort of written for you. It doesn't mean you know exactly where you're gonna go. It doesn't mean exactly, you know exactly what's gonna happen along that road. But I feel I have nothing better to do than, than fight for what I think is right. That really is it. Like maybe there's some other ways that I could live that would offer me some more security, right? Like I suppose I could just end all of this stuff and like just disappear. Like, and I'm not saying that I haven't ever thought of it. I have thought of it. Um, and by the way, when I go, whenever that happens, it ain't happening anytime soon because I am in this fight with you guys. But when that happens, when I disappear one day, I'm gone. Like that, that's it. Like I will not be like playing around anymore. It'll be like Galt's Gulch, Ruben's gone, what happened to him? And as, as it stands right now, I think Kyle Kashuv wants the YouTube channel. We'll, we'll deal with that at the time. Um, but uh, I think if, if you see, well, here's a little V for Vendetta. If you see what I see, if you feel what I feel, well, then you have to do something. Nobody is coming to save us. We got to save ourselves, man. Uh, Jackie says, is there a coordinated master plan by certain individuals or groups to bring the free America down? And if so, who and why? Man, Michael, there was a theme today, huh? In these questions, there was a theme. Um, I guess you guys are feeling what I feel because that's the theme today. Is there a coordinated plan? Yes, something is going on. I don't know what that machinery is. That is, that is just pushing and pushing and pushing us further and further. And, and testing us on any given day and giving us completely conflicting messages about lockdowns and COVID and the economy and saying, we're gonna keep moving on the Supreme Court and all of like everything. What feels stable to you right now? What feels stable to you? I'm not saying that, you know, what I try desperately to do on this show and communicate to you guys is that there is hope and there is always hope. Of course there is. So I don't do this to be alarmist. But does it feel like some of this is coordinated somehow, that there is somehow, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's something like this. There is somehow a coordination between the Democrat, woke, progressive machine and big tech to basically make us all crazy and make us all hate each other and fundamentally alter what the United States is. And this, this Supreme Court thing, that's why I'm saying this is, in many ways, this is the one. This is, this is what could be the final attack on our institutions as they exist, as they were founded to be before the whole thing kind of collapses. So I don't know, you know, it's like asking like, like who's in charge of the whole operation? You know, like do the Illuminati exist? You know, like, like is it, like who's in charge? I don't know, do you, do you honestly, does anyone honestly think this is all because Joe Biden is in charge? Of course not, is Obama running it from behind. And by the way, there is that interview a couple of years ago from Obama where he was like, oh yeah, the best possible thing for me would be to run something from behind and I'd have somebody else being president. I don't know, maybe, maybe that's something, but there is an assault on the West. Somebody along the way, whether it's the Chinese, whatever it is figured out, boy, the soft underbelly of the West is that they're free and free people give up pretty easily. And man, we got work to do. Let's see if the theme continues here. Janelle says, can you guys give us an update on the Newsom recall? I feel like that story just died. Recall supporters had until March 17th and the deadline to turn in signatures. Okay, so what happened was we got the 2.1 million signatures roughly, uh, and now it's being kicked to all the machinery of California that's verifying the votes and all that. I'm hearing from a lot of people that they're not even gonna let the recall happen because they're just gonna basically invalidate a ton of the votes and that's how corrupt and evil California is and we'd sort of be getting exactly what we deserve. My hope is that it still happens. I, I'm talking to some insiders who still believe it will happen. Will we get some decent people to run? I heard that Caitlyn Jenner is running. I would vote for Caitlyn Jenner in a second over Gavin Newsom. Again, 
Two months from today is when he's saying we can open up, even though he's also saying our rates have dropped and everyone over 16 can get the vaccine. It's, it's nothing. My suspicion is he thinks two months from today, meaning June 15th, because he has a feeling that the, the recall is gonna keep moving forward and then right around probably beginning of June, June 10th, when the recall really is, they're about to announce it, then he'll be like, oh, we're opened up and everyone's just gonna wanna get outside and go to the beach and, and all that stuff. Um, but you know, if you wanna really know what the negligent part of this is, of course that, is that the mainstream media is not talking. Have you seen it on CNN once, other than when they call it a right-wing conspiracy or it's fueled by right-wing crazies that the governor of the second largest state in the union is being recalled? They don't cover it. So that's one type of fake news that I lay out and don't burn this book. One, you know, People think fake news is just, oh, they lying to you or the headline doesn't match what's in the story. But another type of fake news is what they don't show you because they're intentionally doing that because there are very few journalists left. They are activists, not journalists. James says, you mentioned previously that you have attended pride events in the past. Now that pride in the LGBT movement has morphed into something completely different, would you attend a pride parade? Well, first off, uh, so I have attended pride parades. Um, believe it or not, David and I actually met at a pride parade. Um, I had a radio show at the time, so I was a somewhat public person. We had said where we were gonna be. We actually met, this is now 12 years ago or something. We've been together for a long time. By the way, after you've been together for about 12 years, uh, that's like 50 something straight years. So we've been together forever, basically. Um, but, um, and he was wearing an American flag, actually. He was wearing an American flag uh, t-shirt. Uh, there's a little, little, little insider info for you. Um, you know, for those first few years, those first couple years when I was kind of coming out of the closet and just accepting reality and being who I was and all that stuff, it did have a meaning to me to be there because you can't believe it. You go to these parades and you see all these other people and you realize, oh, they're just human beings and they wanna love who they wanna love and you wanna love who you wanna love and that's it, you know? And then there's all sorts of awful parts of it too and, and I don't even need to get into that. But after the first two or three years of it where it had some meaning to me, then I would go sort of, and I never really enjoyed it. I never felt that comfortable there. Um, you know, I often say I'm only gay after 10 p.m. And uh, I, it was just like too in your face and, and all of that stuff. But I would say more broadly speaking, you know, the gays, and the lesbos, and the bi's, you know, and the trans, everyone's equal, everyone's treated equally. There are no laws harming any of those people anymore, but the cops need a certain amount of crime, as Chris Rock would say, and that's why the LGBTQI movement, whatever letter you wanna put in there, it's become, in essence, it's become, you know, a political thing more than about pride or about just being yourself. So I have really no need to go. I haven't gone to one in years. I think when we moved to West Hollywood, which was originally where we lived when we moved to LA, which is the gayest place on earth. I mean, they have rainbow crosswalks. We went to one pride parade. We went out there for a minute and I was like, you wanna go home and watch Golden Girls? And that's pretty much what we did. So I have no, I just, uh, it's not important. It's not important to me. And by the way, that is the beautiful thing about equality. You know, when you give people equality, true equality, which is again, what we have here in the United States, um, they don't need the, the obsessive identification of a group identity because it's like, oh, but I'm just like everybody else. I'm treated fairly. But the problem is that the leaders of these things and of GLAAD and, and the human rights campaign and these, these gay organizations, they can't let go of the fight because they're nonprofits and they wanna, nonprofits, you're still making money, right? People are still paid. So they need, that's the cops need a certain amount of crime. Like they need people to believe that they're coming for the gays and they're coming for the trans and they're not, they're just not. Um, given, Emily says, given that you and David hope to have a family one day, would you put your child into the public school system or go to a private school slash homeschool route? Uh, there's a real theme, man. Um, 
No, we, 100% without question, like I can't say it any crystal clearer than I'm gonna say it, we will never send our children to public school. Um, like you just cannot, I mean, I just told you that in New York, they're now telling us that the diversity and inclusion stuff is going into the schools and we know it's already been there. Um, I sense it will be either a charter school or a private school, I think possibly a homeschool route. You know, there are people fighting back. I've had uh, Chris Rufo on the show and Corey DeAngelis. We just did that episode uh, about a week ago. No, it was about two, three weeks ago, actually. Time flies these days. Uh, about all about schooling and homeschooling and charter schools and everything else. But, you know, I've said this before, but one of my, one of the last things that allowed me to say, hey, I'm, I'm still a lib, guys. I'm still a good liberal, was that I believed that there was some role in, for the government related to public education. And I went to a Blue Ribbon High School. I went to a good uh, state school of New York, SUNY Binghamton, State University of New York, uh, you know, publicly funded school. So I believed at one time there really was a role for that. But now because wokeism is a mind virus that has infected all of this stuff, it, to me it would be negligent. It would be negligent. Now, now the problem with that is I get a lot of people don't have money for private schools or charter schools, but this is why one of the things that Corey DeAngelis uh, and, and the panel talked about a couple weeks ago was that what you want, if anything, the government should fund students to figure out where they wanna go, so you give flexibility. Ironically, the, or not ironically, I suppose, the Democrats are completely against school choice. So Elizabeth Warren, who sends her kids to private schools, she doesn't want school choice. She doesn't want, they just wanna keep throwing money at public schools because where would be a better place to brainwash them into your socialist, woke, progressive bullshit? than a public school and then you send them to free college, right Bernie, we're gonna send them to free college. You think they're gonna, you think at Bernie's free colleges they're gonna learn about Thomas Sowell and about libertarian economics and about freedom and liberty? Somehow I doubt it. Ah, one more, Yvonne, we're mixing it up. What else in addition to strawberries is growing in your garden? So we've got a little rooftop garden where we've got four planters. Uh, we're growing a bunch of tomatoes, which really are starting to take off now that it's warmed up a little bit. Strawberries just in the last couple weeks are exploding. I'll, I'll post a picture uh, in, in the locals community this afternoon. They're really, we got some big, red, juicy, delicious strawberries cooking. Uh, we're also doing a couple types of lettuce and uh, some Brussels sprouts, which they're, they're nice and hearty, but we're waiting for the big stalk. That's what you want out of the Brussels sprout. We also got a, a couple uh, citrus plants and some oranges, that kind of stuff. Um, all right. I feel better. I feel a little better than I did when the show started. I was on a couple of Newsmax shows this morning and I then, and I was kind of real riled up and then I wanted to punch somebody and then I got it out with you guys. Here, let's all do it together, you at home. Let's take a breath. It's gonna be all right, guys. We're in this thing together. Part two of my interview with Nick Gillespie from Reason Magazine is up on YouTube right now, so you can check that out. The full episode, of course, is up totally ad-free at rubenreport.locals.com. And as I've been teasing, tomorrow we're gonna do a panel on policing with Brandon Tatum, Mike the Cop, and Elijah Schaefer. Have a great day, everybody. And remember, if you need to, namaste. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you wanna connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubenreport.locals.com.